The two guests I have on today are Naomi Folkerts and Terry Cassidy. Naomi is an occupational therapy student who's attending Creighton University's distance program based out of Denver, Colorado. After spending 16 years in retail management and hospitality, Naomi discovered occupational therapy and went back to school to pursue her dream of becoming an occupational therapist. Her doctoral capstone is with Health Promotion Partners, a mobile outpatient and driving rehabilitation company. This capstone is focused on things like developing skills in a specialized area of practice, as well as increasing awareness through community outreach and online presence. Naomi is joined by Terry Cassidy, an occupational therapist, certified driver rehabilitation specialist, and the owner of Health Promotion Partners. Welcome to the show, you two. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having us. I'm good. Good, good. So I want to start off with asking you, Naomi, I want to put you on the spot. And so tell me a little bit about how you got involved with this capstone opportunity. Yeah, um, I am passionate about increasing independence or maintaining independence and access to services for older adults. Um, so that's how I initially got connected with Terry. Um, and also for anybody who's experiencing long term health challenges, they just have um, a lot of challenges staying connected with the community on top of that. Um, so Terry and I got connected. I thought it was a really interesting area of rehab that I didn't know hardly anything about aside from one lecture that she had done for our cohort. Um, oh. but I'd seen so many people in my field work and in my job at an outpatient PT clinic that could benefit from these services. So in terms of like the like scope of what you were doing, what kind of things did you have in mind when you were getting connected with Terry? Like, was there a particular like question you had or just like exposure to the community and the setting and what Terry is doing and out there? Yeah. So initially I was really interested in, first of all, the community outreach, because I think that is a big opportunity for people to learn about these, that these services exist. And so I wanted to get involved with that. And then as well as just being a part of learning about an aspect of OT that I didn't know much about that I thought could really benefit a lot of people. So I wanted to learn about it. And then I also wanted to make sure that people knew about the services as well. Cool. So what is like a day in the life of your capstone like? Like, what, what did you, I guess, what did you first do? Because that's actually a very loaded question, right? Capstone is a very involved process, as you all listeners know. It involves like a lot of planning, right? So what did you start off doing in, how did, in the beginning of this process? That is a great question um, because, yeah, every day just is so different as it is in many occupational therapy settings. Um, but I initially started off um, just pretty much in the clinic, learning about health promotion partners, all the services that they offer, um, different types of driving evaluations. I just had no idea going into it, like how much different it would be from my expectations and just how much, um, how much variety there is, I guess. Mm. Um, so I did a lot of what we call comprehensive driver evaluations. Um, and that's half in clinic and half behind the wheel. It's typically a three hour evaluation. Uh -huh. Um, and then also, um, we partner with the VA and do driving evaluations for them. So with a comprehensive driver eval, that can be for, um, like an older adult who's been referred by their doctor to see if they're still safe to drive. It can be somebody who might need adaptive equipment for driving because of some kind of diagnosis or injury or something that's happened to them. Yeah. Um, it can, it can just really vary. And then we also do um, readiness to drive evaluations for young adults who are just getting into driving oh. as well as um, training for them behind the wheel training for the adaptive equipment after we do the evaluation. Um, so my first, when I first started, like my first couple weeks were just learning all of that. And that's all, the only the driving side of things because um, Health Promotion Partners also has the mobile outpatient um, 
and they offer a skills to care program, which is directed towards um, clients with dementia and their caregivers. Oh, it's a really comprehensive resource from, you know, the older geriatric side all the way to the other side. I didn't even know there was a readiness to drive program. So Terry, you could probably chime in as well. So did you get started with like all of this or what did you really narrowly focus on one area in the beginning of health promotion partners? Oh, thanks. Good question. And thanks, Naomi. It's fun to hear you talk about it. It's so great to, to just see all the, all the new, new learning in the past several months. Um, so as an OT, I got into driving really thinking of my patients I was seeing in the rehab setting. So I was working with patients who had had a stroke, a brain injury, and kind of got into driving with that lens. Mm -hmm. And then as the service became available, because there wasn't really anything in our area prior to that, um, we started to see, oh, there's people calling who didn't have a stroke, but they're calling because they're concerned about their dad and they're wondering if he should still be driving. And, and also like education I was doing and nationally, this, this wasn't just here, but so really we have expanded over time. Yeah. Um, the readiness to drive evaluations are a more recent thing. We've always worked with young people with physical disabilities, but probably in the past two years, we've put a lot of work into education and training for our staff in regard to working with young people with autism, ADHD, um, other learning disabilities, and just really, that's been a whole new exciting area of practice for us. Wow, I'm literally getting goosebumps because it's like so inspiring because I think of driver rehab as like an adult, older adult, right? And that's been my practice area in neuro, right? In acute rehab, it's a very similar to you. It's like, what do people do after a stroke? They were like, and then the team asks like, oh gosh, can they drive, you know? But on the other side, you know, OT works with younger adults, you know, kids who are starting to learn to drive. And so that's really, really cool because it's like a wonderful resource that is so needed. Sounds like there was a resource gap when you were getting started in your area. So really cool. But I want to get back to you, Naomi, in terms of like the research, right? So I think in Capstone, we all have to do kind of like a literature review. So did you do something like that, first of all? Um, a little bit. I think that, I mean, initially to start my project, I did. Um, and there's definitely a gap in resources for these types of services. Um, that's kind of what I was looking at primarily in my research, as well as um, just access to services in general for older adults, especially um, those who aren't driving anymore and yeah. haven't been connected with. Um, so like health promotion partners, just as an aside, also provides a ton of resources for people to still stay connected with their community and still get around and stuff. So I did a lot of research on that and um, I've learned a lot along the way um, about like what assessment tools um, have been linked to in research to how someone will perform on the assessment versus behind the wheel driving. I don't know if you want me to get into any of those yeah. specifics. Because <laughs> I learned about that in school, right? So I'm going to just go off what I know. Like, what do I? <laughs> like, trail making bees are the first thing that comes to my mind. So is that something along the lines of what you're talking about? Yeah, and I commend your school for learning about that because I did not learn about that. I mean, I've learned a ton of stuff in school, but that was one thing that I had it. And so... Um, the research just connected between trails B and how someone will perform on their driving is really interesting. Um, actually Terry has probably could say more about that, but there's even like a little blurb that we'll use in our documentation yeah. to like kind of justify the results when we're, when we're writing everything up. Um, but really it's like divided attention, visual scanning, um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank on some of the other things no, if totally. either of you want to chime in. But it's really good for evaluating driving, yeah. So that can really just tell the OT who is evaluating, like, a lot about the client already and, like, their strengths and their deficits and how they will probably perform or maybe even if they may even be a fit for the behind the wheel, right, Terry? Like, sometimes that may tell you so much that it's like, would it even be, like, so much to say as like a like a major deal breaker in certain cases based on this 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, in general, we don't have a lot of like definite deal breakers, I would say, <laughs> because we're able to do our evaluation in one one larger setting as opposed to splitting it up into a bunch of sessions. So most people, I would say 98% of our clients, we will at least get in the car in the parking lot or as a passenger. However, we may have some very strong opinions or not just opinions, clinical judgment about how it's going to go at that point. So there are people who don't, we don't take behind the wheel for safety reasons, but it's rarely a single test that makes that decision like a single result. And I think there is a fair amount, there could be more for sure of research regarding clinical tests and behind the wheel performance. A lot of the research is not within the OT profession. Also, there's a lot of things within neuropsychology and a lot of other professions. But I think the bottom line on the research to me comes down to there is no one test that is going to you know, because there's been a lot of people researching this. What test could we give at the doctor's office and just kind of skip the, the whole <laughs> other side of driver rehab or anything like that? Right. And I think the reason is just because we're looking at it and like driving incorporates so many different aspects of being a human, including our emotional state, including our cognitive state, our vision. So there's a lot of things, a lot of reasons someone could do poorly on trail making, for example. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a visual field cut. It could be an inattention. It could be English as a second language. There, there's a lot of things that go into it that really, and I think that's what's fascinating about the field is, yes, there's these tests and they give us great information, but there's so much clinical judgment every step of the way. Yeah, and I think that really highlights the value of this professional or just a generalist OT. So I wanted to ask yeah. about that because most you know OTs graduating are graduating at the generalist level. So either of you can chime in. What is the role of the generalist OT when it comes to driver rehab and community mobility? Naomi, you want to start with that one? Sure. I think that there's a big opportunity for generalists to look at driving and um, especially in like the inpatient setting, um, rehab, skilled nursing facilities, all of that. Um, we have some really great partners within the community who do kind of a lot of the in-clinic portion. So that includes looking at vision, doing a full vision assessment, um, looking at visual motor, looking at reaction times, looking at sensory motor, um, looking at cognition. Um, so we have a lot of generalists that will refer to us generally just be like, okay, I think you should see a driving specialist. Um, and then they'll send all, all that information over to us. And then we kind of know what to expect um, and what we could maybe dive deeper into. Um, and then we do the more of the behind the wheel portion with them. I see. So a generalist can get a lot done in terms of the evaluation part and like screening and getting mm -hmm. gathering this information to pass on in addition to referral to kind of just get things going and so that this specialist already knows what's going on and and just focus more on more of the areas that they don't know about the client. Does that sound right? Yes. And also I think a generalist is the perfect person to like maybe tell the person or tell their doctor that they should have a driving evaluation because they're seeing, you know, if they're seeing them regularly for occupational therapy, they're seeing where they have deficits and there's so many factors that go into driving. Um, they're the perfect person to be like, oh, I think that person should have a driving evaluation. My my bias, I guess, is I feel like that OTs are are in a perfect position to be having these discussions about driving and honestly, anywhere along the spectrum that they're seeing somebody. So maybe it is acute care and maybe they're not, that person isn't ready to drive at that point. But just when you're talking about goals, so often driving or getting my kids to school, those are client goals that come up naturally. And I think for OTs to at least be able to entertain that discussion and not just, sadly, what I hear sometimes is, oh, talk to your doctor about that or talk to talk to somebody about that down the road. And what I've found through personal experiences, sometimes nobody else talks about driving. So 
I think we need to take that opportunity just kind of in the name of public safety as well as like our clients' goals. Um, I mean, I've had clients who went home from having brain surgery and started driving and then got referred to OT for vision rehab. And I was asking her about driving and I was like, you're not driving, are you? She had a hemianopsia Uh and, um, and she was like, well... I did drive and my husband Gosh. was in the car, thankfully. And he was like, don't you see that car? Like he started freaking out, had her pull over. Oh and, um, and I was like, oh my goodness. And so I l- actually looked cause it was, I was in the hospital setting at that time and I, she had been seen at our hospital. So I looked back at her report and the acute care OT had done a really great evaluation, had done a vision evaluation, had identified a visual field cut. Mm-hmm never linked it to driving, you know, like just because that was the mindset was, well, this person just had brain surgery. They're not going to go home and start driving. Yeah. But the, so the link, and they said, you know, talk, talk to your doctor, but, um, I would love to empower OTs to like, when you see something like that, say, this is a concern for driving. My recommendation is you do not drive until you meet with your primary care physician. Like just, Sometimes we just need to be concrete about it. We're not taking away someone's license at that point. Right. And that's not our role anyway. But really to be able to say, I'm recommending a pause until you get more information or have more recovery, I think would do a lot of people well. I think that's a really good point because even when I was working in acute care, like I don't think that was part of like the thing to assess for like officially, but it's like, it's well within our scope. It's an IADL. Like, we're focusing on ADLs and that's really important, but like, if, especially in America, like almost everybody drives, right? Like, and like from the very young to the very old and all it could take is like one condition, one hospital visit to maybe question that ability. So I think that's a really important thing that OT should feel empowered because it could just be very simple, like you said, like such a simple conversation and can make such a difference in terms of general public safety. Yeah, right. We're all we're all looking out for our, our clients' well being as well as everybody else. But I think um yeah, I try to provide a lot of education just to help OTs feel comfortable. Even they don't have to have the answers, but just ask, like, are you are you driving? Are you do you feel like you're ready to be back to driving? Like just start that conversation. You don't have to make a decision. You don't have to have the answers, but at least bring it up and, and create a pathway for that conversation, I think is really important. I just thought of a, like kind of a situation, right? So either of you can time in, chime in. So let's, this will probably be very helpful for our listeners, right? So I imagine this will be a very common situation too, and I've been experienced to it. So let's say an OT wants to take it one step further, right? And the client's like, okay. They will maybe are asking follow-up questions. Let's say client A is like, okay, yeah, I do drive and I really want to drive and I'm, I live by myself. I don't know how I'm going to get around. What should the OT do at that point if they they actually may be a candidate for driving? Should, so should they just say like, give them a blanket answer? Like, okay, just hold off. Or should they maybe go further and explore like things like screens and follow-up questions as a generalist OT? Well, that's a great segue into a suggestion that I have that I can share with you, Jeff, is um, some colleagues and I have developed a resource pretty much for that situation. That's the acronym is Generalist Resource to Integrate Driving. So it's a list of tools, basically, um, that touch on the different areas of functioning um, that somebody would need for driving. So the idea is for somebody in that setting to say, Driving is a goal for you. Based on where you are right now, I do have some concerns. I would really love to help you make sure that when you're out there driving, you're safe. Um, How about we do some additional testing and get just some idea on these things? That resource has like the scores separated into red, yellow, and green categories. Mm -hmm. So it's so for trail making, for example, and I don't have it in front of me, but there's score ranges in each of those categories. And so you could do a trail making test. And I was actually thinking this earlier when we were talking about research. It's one thing to have somebody, you know, trail making is 1A, 2B, 3C. And people are like, what? Mm-hmm. How does that pertain to driving? So there is an important translation piece, I think, for the therapist the to be able value. to talk about how, how this pertains to driving, because otherwise people just don't credit it. Um, 
But to be able to do that test and then take out this tool and say, today on this test, you're in the red category for this particular assessment. This is maybe something we should work on. Let's see in the vision category how you score. So, so there are some resources to help therapists with that. But if they're just not comfortable or don't know where to start, there's also people that they can call that therapists can call as resources, but they could even just bring up um, a driving evaluation at that point too. It's, it's a lot of it to me comes down to what the therapist is comfortable with and what their knowledge base is. Yeah. And the timing they have too, like the yeah, time available totally. in the, what's the, like the practicality of it and stuff in the environment. So Naomi, like, what are you now in your capstone? Like, what are your, uh, what are you up to? I guess like you've gained a lot of experience. So are you finished with it or what's going on with the, the setting? So I've got two and a half weeks left and I basically where I'm at is I'm doing the clinical portion of evaluations. So the first hour and a half, we do three hour evaluations when it's the comprehensive eval. And so the first hour and a half is in the clinic, building the occupational profile, doing all of the screening and assessments I spoke about earlier. Um, and then most of the time I'm sitting in the back seat of our company vehicle. Um, the client is in the driver's seat and then Terry or another OT is in the front seat where we have our own pedals just to prevent anything from happening. Um, I have gotten to drive in the front seat once. So that's kind of my goal for these final couple weeks is to get in the mm -hmm. front seat more. Um, and I've also gotten to ride along for quite a few driver training. So people learning how to do use adaptive equipment, whether that be hand controls or left foot accelerator, um, and also doing the driver readiness program. So driving with young adults who, um, like Terry said, might have ADHD or anxiety or um, be on the autism spectrum or have another learning disability or visual deficits. It's just really interesting because it's like any other area of OT where every single client is so different. And um, to go back to what Terry was saying, like how you don't want to rely on just an assessment tool. I think that's so important because I have seen in the past few months where somebody does amazing on the clinical and we're like, this is going to be cake. And we get on the road and we're like, this is really not good <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and is very concerning. Um, and then there's been times where we've done the in clinic and it's a little bit concerning, like, Oh, I don't know how this is going to go on the road. Mm -hmm. And they do amazing because just that motor memory kicks in and they've been driving for 60 years and they yeah. have really good awareness once they're out there. Um, so that's what I'm doing. And then I'm also going to, um, clinics in the area and, dropping off our information, talking to people. And I'm also managing our social media on Facebook and Instagram. Well, that's so, so important. It's especially because it's OT month right now at the time of yes. recording. So yes, yes. happy OT month, happy by OT the way. Month. Happy <laughs> OT month. So, well, that's a really cool opportunity. Wow. Like to actually experience all that. Do you do any documentation by the way? Oh, uh, Naomi yes. specifically, I guess. Yes. So I'll do the documentation for um, any of the evaluations that I do. And then sometimes for the ride alongs, it just depends, but I try to do most of the, uh, the documentation so that I can learn from that as well. Okay. What kind of stuff would that involve? Like, is it like a soap note? <laughs> or? Kind of. It's actually a really great, um, documentation system. I've told Terry that, that it's really easy to work with. Um, yeah, we have like a subjective objective, like sections. And then mm -hmm. we have a behind the wheel portion. So we'll include a lot of the regular occupational profile, like what's their home setup like, what things are important to them, where do they want to be able to drive to, um, what's their support system like, what are their environmental supports, um, and then all of the evaluation, like the assessments and screenings. Um, and then behind the wheel, we talk about um, where we drove, there's kind of a template that we go off of, uh, that Terry has created, which is amazing. And then you can kind of fill in the blanks, um, of how they manage general vehicle management, 
Yeah, I don't know, Terry, if you want to chime in on that part a little bit. The the documentation system is is important because we are such a specialized area. So it's nice that we've been able to create our own templates. But Naomi, I think what you're saying is exactly right. And then, you know, another piece within there that we're trying to express is general vehicle control, but then ultimately executive function Mm -hmm. in that environment. And so we'll always incorporate into our behind the wheel, something like find a gas station, pull into it and park like a typical task that somebody would have to do, whether they're familiar with that environment or not. Mm -hmm. But that gives us a real opportunity to see so many different aspects variables of function. And so just, just finding the right ways that we want to write that into their report too. I forgot the question I was going to ask because I have like so many. And this is like such an exciting, like, because I drive, you know, and then I wonder as an OT, like, oh, well, one day, like if I had like something going on. Okay. I kind of remember my question now. So like a common thing is like visual, right? Visual feel cut, stroke, hemianopsia and things like that. So would you say as a generalist OT, right? So you'll probably encounter this a lot in acute care, acute rehab, inpatient rehab facility, what would you advise that generalists kind of go through in their thinking and their critical thinking when they figure this out and they see a pretty large deficit in this kind of area when it comes to how they have a conversation with the um, the client and or their family? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think this is where it is important for therapists to have an idea of the legal guidelines in their state. Mm. Just because vision in particular is very... The DMV rules on vision vary quite a bit oh. by state. And I, I did Good research enough. for a presentation one time. I mean, like in Colorado, it is legal to drive with hemianopsia. Okay. In other states, it is not even an option. So I think if wow. you're in one of those states, it's helpful to just know that. Um, because if you have a client with hemianopsia, you want to just be giving them accurate information or at least direct them to their eye doctor who will know exactly what the DMV laws are. Mm -hmm. Um, I also want to caution people because in acute care, for example, a lot could change in Mm -hmm. the next two months. And so we want people to be aware, um, but not discouraged like our clients, for example, on, on whatever it is, if it's a physical deficit, if it's a vision deficit. Um, so I think like with anything we're, we're, finding that balance of like, I want you to be aware that Mm -hmm. this is, this is going on. This is, these could present challenges. And this is a really good reason for you to continue with therapy and continue with these discussions. But yeah, I've seen that where there are some like computerized assessments that were being done on acute rehab. And I just personally feel like acute rehab is too soon to make a definite decision about driving that I think it's great to be doing assessments, getting an idea well, this person maybe should follow up with driver rehab. Um, But to tell somebody not to drive based on the first three months of an injury, I think Mm -hmm. um, there there are extreme cases, of course, where it's evident. But um, a lot of times we need to to encourage that recovery process too. Yeah. Like like, for example, like stroke, like neuroplasticity, so much can change. If our goal is to help the patient do their ADLs and IADLs, we can't just have a computer tell them based on certain criteria that, you know, like you fail like these 10 points, like Naomi, you said, right? Like you yeah, had the opposite. That was true. Like they like did really horrible on the, you know, the assessment side and they did awesome on the driver. And at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? If I'm kind of intuitively thinking if they can drive really well and they did really horrible on the test is, would you give them the okay to drive? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky question. Um, I will often explain and and kind of with the clients, I'm like, I'm just going to tell you everything as I see it and just talk about all of it (laughs) kind of as we go, because sometimes there's not an easy answer. And for those clients who do poorly on, especially the more cognitive executive function pieces of the clinical, um, often these are clients with a dementia diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So, so the diagnosis plays a lot into, I could have somebody who had a stroke who's now presenting with memory difficulties and, and kind of, there's a lot of just clinical judgment on teasing out prognosis. Like are these deficits because of their stroke and are there things we can work to rehabilitate or are we looking at a progressive chronic disease that 
is probably going not going to get better. So there are pieces in there, but I will often try to weigh both the clinical and the behind the wheel in my final recommendations. So a lot of times to me, I think of like a client who has a mild cognitive impairment diagnosis, their trail making, maybe a really poor score, maybe their dementia screen. So whether it's the mocha or the short blessed, or we do the BCAT, um, maybe in a range where there's some concern, Mm -hmm. but they're driving great. And I will often just say like these clinical results do indicate something (laughs) like we don't want to just throw all that away because you were able to make right and left turns, but that you are able to compensate for those at this time in the task of driving in this given environment. So for a lot of people, they will pass with restrictions and we can actually have in Colorado have that added to their license. So no night, no highway or common restrictions. And a lot of people in this category that we're talking about, not always, are driving to the grocery store, driving to their bank, driving maybe to church on Sunday, you know, these specific places nearby. Mm-hmm. And so we can kind of give approval to just drive within a five mile radius of their home, for example. So there are some things, however, we would always want them to come back. So mm-hmm. so if it's that situation where they did borderline on the clinical assessments really well in the car, concern about a progressive neurological disorder, we would recommend a reevaluation in a year. Okay. And I think it, well, that's really that's really insightful. I did not know. I knew there were like vision, like, you know, corrective lenses on your driver license, but that is really good information because again, for you listeners out there, I probably, again, very state by state, like uh, Terry said in, you know, like the DMV even, but that is really interesting because it, it's very hopeful because it can give a lot of clients, a lot of their, allow them to maintain a lot of their independence with these restrictions. That's literally all they need to do. They don't need to go on a road trip to like, you know, across the country, you know, and they just need to get their life going and maintain that. So that is really, really cool. But one question I forgot to really ask is, what are the kind of like the government governing bodies and like the like associations and like because OT, you know, we have a certain scope of practice, but ultimately I know, I guess who are the players and what are the like organizations that kind of like goes across states? It applies to all states that like our listeners should know about, and they can. Re- this is actually a resource that the practitioner can refer them to. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So certainly within occupational therapy, AOTA has had a focus on kind of an older driver area. And um, so there's an older driver section of the AOTA website, and there is a directory of driver rehabilitation specialists available on the AOTA website. Mm -hmm. Driver rehab is a multidisciplinary field. Um, So the national organization that certifies driver rehabilitation specialists is the acronym doesn't match up with the words, but the (laughs) acronym is ADED, A-D-E-D. But it's known as the Association for Driver Rehabilitation Specialists. And so there's a national conference. um, And that is open to people of different professions. You know, we'll often just get the question of can an OTA become a driver specialist. And yes, definitely. Um, so there, there are opportunities, um, just within the profession for different levels of practitioners, but also, um, people of other, other backgrounds, I would say mm-hmm. majority within ADED is our occupational therapist at this time, but there's variety there too, but those are kind of the main. So I imagine could like, have you seen like speech therapists, you know, cause like a lot of cognition, be one. I mean, I mean, they could they theoretically become one. They theoretically could. Yeah. I I think I know of one speech therapist, one or two physical therapists. My bias, of course, is that occupational therapists have the really holistic approach. Which, yeah. as we've discussed, it's not just about driver education, like not just about the motor skills to to manipulate a car in an environment, but these broader pictures of the context of their life and their mental health and all these other things too. But um, in terms of ADED, for example, there are driver educators who've undergone um, additional training. So some people not even necessarily from the health field. And so do they have like conferences and stuff for? Yep. An annual conference. And then, you know, there are chapter local chapters, too. So we have a Colorado ADED chapter that um, is fantastic. And 
small. There's probably 12 of us that are OTs in Colorado that get together on a quarterly basis, mm-hmm. but it's a really great group because there are a lot of state specific questions and sometimes really frustrations with the DMV. And so it's good yeah. to have this group of professionals to bounce things off of and, and problem solve together. Yeah. So Naomi, you, you mentioned earlier that you do some of like the outreach, right? So what are some of like the places that you've interfaced with, with kind of like getting this information and advocating for these clients really, right? At the end of the day, it's the clients and their ability to drive. I actually got to do be present for an in-service that Terry did for an inpatient rehab facility. And that was really fun because um, almost their entire rehab was their PTs, OTs, and speech therapists. Wow. And yeah, so I thought that was a really great um, connection there because they're at a great point to um, talk about driving with people. Personally, I've also I've gone out into the community to um, primary care offices, um, because we're going to get referrals from people's doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want the doctors to really know about the services that we offer. Um, I've gone into neurologist practices. Um, I have gone into, we have a couple offices here in the Denver that are specifically, um, geriatric care for healthcare. Mm-hmm. We've gone into there, gone into senior community centers, um, wow. I'm trying, I'm trying to think, um, I've gone into a few skilled nursing facilities, um, and really uh-huh. just chatting with whoever will let me chat with them. I got to meet some really great people and drop off some of our information. We have a brochure, we have a flyer about, um, our skills to care program. We have a resource book for, um, transportation and other resources in the state of Colorado. So yeah, that part's been really fun. That sounds like fun. It makes me want to do it. <laughs> it's like, you know, like cars, it's like a lot of people like they're into cars, right? It's like, I feel like it's an easy segue into that topic. And it's like, hey, you know, you ever t-? so what has been like the reception to Naomi or even Terry, like to this kind of interfacing? What have people, what has kind of been like the general kind of, are people like, oh, I didn't know this exists? Or like, you know, what have, has been some of the feedback? When I've gone out, um, people have been really excited. They're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know about that. Actually, I was just thinking, um, I also went to a low vision clinic. So I've gone to a few, um, yeah. yeah, optometrists and the low vision clinic. They're like, this is amazing. Like we definitely have some people that could benefit from this information. Um, so that's generally the reaction that I've gotten is people are really excited about it um, because they didn't know about it or because it's and or because it's a resource that they think that people could benefit from. Yeah, and I would agree. I, I'm always amazed at. So I feel like I've been doing outreach and education for 10 years in the even just like in Colorado Springs area. And every time I give a presentation or I'm at some event, people are like, oh, I had no idea that such a thing existed. Not Which only I think does OT exist, but then true. this whole world. Of like exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother ask. Um, and I would say even within the past month, I've had two OTs from other cities in Colorado just reach out and say, you know, my, either the doctors they work with or just my patients are asking a lot about driving and I'm not sure where to start. Um, so I feel like... A, please reach out. Like those of us that do driving love, love what we're able to do and are always super happy to share resources. So that's, I do want to encourage OTs to reach out to people in their area. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing, kind of like you mentioned, Jeff, that so many people drive that doesn't, I mean, I could be at a a group that isn't healthcare related at all and and mention what I do and people are like, oh, Mm. I really needed you when my mom was sick, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody has somebody in their life, yeah. an older adult, where they've been concerned about their driving. So it is an easy topic in that sense, too. Yeah. It could be like any conversation anywhere. So, yeah. kind of like as a generalist, what is one way that you can get a hold of resources? So, I think most OTs probably know that the AOTA has a page, but let's say you want to refer. Okay. So, let's talk about the referral process in. You want to get this person a resource, maybe down the line to ultimately reach someone like you. So how does someone get from talking to the OT and having a very simple conversation, quote unquote, to actually 
connecting with ultimately someone or an organization. Yeah, I, I really think that for the therapists just to have an idea of what's available in their community. I mentioned a little, there's not a lot of us that are driver rehab specialists. And that's where I really feel like the kind of triage role of the generalist is an important piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so AOTA has a directory. ADED website also has a directory. Um, so you can go in and put in your state and it'll it'll give you a listing of, they're kind of separated into certified driver rehab specialists or other people who have identified as driver rehab specialists, maybe haven't gotten a certification yet. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a great place to start, whether you're concerned about your parent or you're a therapist, like kind of wherever you are approaching this from, just to get some ideas of, of who's nearby um, and then reaching out from there. Because we will, like, after a presentation, get somebody said, oh, my mom lives in Florida and so I will just give them that ADED.net website. I hope that's right. For the um, state. Where they can look in there to get the state-by-state directory. Yeah. So I feel like that's a good starting point. I do think for the therapist to reach out to the professionals in their area, um, if you are able to say, I mean, we have people call and say, well, my doctor told me I had to see Terry. Like, they don't know the name of the company. They don't know any <laughs> of this stuff. But still, like, having those relationships where if if I'm able to tell my patient, you know, you really should go to health promotion partners, they're kind, they, you know, like, however you can make it more accessible to that client as opposed mm-hmm. to just handing them a list of providers. Yeah. Because it is scary. Everybody is nervous when they come see us. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I as OTs, like prefacing that or however you can help uh, break the ice encourages that follow through. I think that's a really important piece as well. Yeah. Going back to kind of like, you know, we're therapists. So like that therapeutic use of self, like it applies in this yeah. case too. Like, okay, here, here's a list. Like, no, don't do that. You know, like, oh yeah. Like there's a lot of resources. Like just like how you approach anything from just like bed mobility to like, sensory integration to everything in between like that's such a good point that's why ot is so cool and like we <laughs> can be creative and empathetic and all that because so you talked about the va right so that's one source i guess the question is kind of like is it covered or like is there insurance is it private pay what about someone who is maybe a little bit short on resources what would you kind of refer them or what would you information can you provide them yeah i appreciate you asking that and i think a lot of times that's Sometimes why therapists don't refer is because they're concerned that their patient won't be able to pay privately for it. Um, In general, a lot of driver rehabilitation services are private pay. Mm -hmm. So we have really made an effort to just work on funding as much as possible. And so the VA has been fairly recent, probably in the past year, that we are a community provider for the VA. So we're able to see veterans if they have a referral from their VA doctor, and then it kind of gets routed. And if the VA CDRS is not available, then they are able to see us. So it's a process, but it's great. Um, Other commercial insurance, generally, if someone is coming and the goal of their visit is driver evaluation, driver rehabilitation. It's generally not a covered service. So we do have private pay rates. Um, we've also worked on contracts. So we have contracts with three different PACE organizations. So Program for All-Inclusive Care of the Elderly. So so these individuals, if they're identified by their PACE OT, are able to refer to get a driving evaluation. Um, And then some other diagnosis-specific organizations like the Brain Injury Alliance in Colorado has some grant funding. So we will talk to the clients and help direct them toward resources. We've just been applying for grant funding through the Area Agencies on Aging, and that's kind of a county-by-county thing out here. Um, But we do have some limited grant funding also. So... I feel like it's helpful for, for therapists to know what the resources are so they're not just sending someone somewhere that isn't at all possible. But um, for our office, at least, I always encourage people to just call, and if they're having trouble with the financial part, let our office staff know, and we'll try to help you as much as we can. I know this is kind of like a very 
niche kind of dependent economic thing, but what's the general kind of, what, are, what would our clients be looking at in terms of cost, if I, you don't mind me asking? Like, I know it could be a large ballpark, but just someone like who, as a generalist OT, yeah. you're like, oh, how much would that cost? Like, I don't think I can afford that. Like, how would they respond, you know, just so they have a kind of like an idea in their own head as a generalist OT? Yeah, I would say it, it really does vary. Um, I would say across the country for a, like a full comprehensive driver evaluation, probably between 450 and $600 is kind of a general range. Okay, yeah. Our, it's 480 for us to do a three-hour eval. What I find is that, I don't, I don't want this to come out wrong, but I think sometimes the therapists are more turned off by that or scared of that than the clients are. Because <laughs> I, I feel like therapists are like, oh, this is healthcare. Nobody, you know, I don't want to refer them to something that's private pay. The families that call us generally, I mean, they, they have some awareness coming in, but that, you know, and, and Kate, who's our office manager is great about saying like, this is three hours one-on-one -on -one time with this highly skilled therapist. If you were to have three hours with your doctor, how much would that cost if you were paying out of pocket? So I think there's ways for us to think of it, of, um, it's a huge, huge value. And so there are a lot of people who are able to find, even if it's still in a big expense for them, they've been able to use community support, GoFundMe, like various right. types of These resources days. to be able to um, continue to have that piece of their occupational life. Well, that's a really good point. It's just like, we just see things like very like, it's like abstract, like, okay, $400, but then like so much goes into it, right? And like you said, that one-on-one -on -one is like so, it's tailored to them and you can help even improve and, you know, like adaptive equipment with the client and you make them even more safer on the road. So to me, public safety, like that's, you can't put a price on that, right? You can, yeah. the safety, right? So if you are a family member listening to this episode, it's like such a good message if I, it's a wonderful resource out there. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, if they're driving for the rest of their life, if it enables them to do that safely, like, I would pay that, like, in the blink of an eye, you know? So it's a really, really good point. One question I was hoping that you would get to is, like, oh, yeah. um, maybe what are some of the misconceptions about oh. what we do? Yeah, let me put I... that real quick. <laughs> it's important. If I feel like, because um, I feel like it is important, I feel like a lot of people expect it to be black and white or expect us to take their license away or, um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of fear going into this. Cause as we discussed before, um, it's, it's very cultural here in America. And mm -hmm. it also, a lot of people have driving tied into their identity and yeah. who they are as a person. Um, so I think like Terry was talking about, there's, you know, restrictions or recommendations, like it's on a spectrum. Um, and also like, we don't want to take away anybody's independence. I think that is the big part. Like we're, we understand as OTs, how important that is to you to continue driving and doing the things that are important to you. Mm -hmm. Um, so just while you were talking about like kind of the financial aspect, it got me thinking about that. Like, um, and also it's not, I think we've already mentioned this, but it's not like a driver's ed exam. We're just looking at are you capable of driving that? Can you pass like this driving mm -hmm. test? Yes or no. Um, so I just, <laughs> I just wanted to jump Such in with that really quick. <laughs> yeah. Did I miss any other, any other misconceptions <laughs> that are worth uh, mentioning Terry? No, I think it's a great, I think it's a great point that all those things that you bring up, Naomi and um, in the public, but even therapists that I talk to don't see the full picture of what we do. Like oh, there'd be people like in the community I'm like, oh, you get in the car? Like, right. Of course I get in the car with them. <laughs> but they're like, I just, I never knew that you, you actually went in the car with these people. So I think um, I really, I've said this a lot, but we have a lot of people come shadow, practicing therapists, students, new grads, shadow a driving evaluation, I think really opens mm. your eyes to be able to talk about the process with your own patients. So I just recommend that and you can get rid of any misconceptions that way. Yeah. So Naomi, you kind of just made me think about kind of the perspective right now. So now it's like our mentality and the perspective is like so important to have as a generalist OT. It's like not black and white, not just that price or not just taking away 
their license. So I guess I'm getting to the takeaway message. It's like, it's not driver rehab, just like the rest of OT, isn't black and white. There's a lot of grays in between. Every client is individual. They have their own setting, their own background, and their own unique circumstances. And getting connected with this very important occupation is like vital to their independence and their identity. And so this is such a huge area that I think all OTs should be aware of, even if you don't directly practice in it. Like like you said, Nick, Terry, like you could be have a conversation about someone's family member and you want to be able to, as you know, like, you know, off the, off the record, you know, as an OT, as a resource, as a friend, be able to like even recommend or refer them to a resource very easily. And I think that would be doing a really good job as an OT, like as a professional, you know, like that. What do you guys think about like what I kind of said? I think you said it very well. <laughs> I completely agree. Nailed it. Yes. So what is, in your words, I guess, Naomi, first, your takeaway from what you want to, what you learned so far, like, what do you want to get out there to our community, our audience, OTs out there, our drivers out there, and everybody in between? I think um, as far as to to the OTs, don't be afraid to talk about driving. Um, You know, it's one of those things that we shy away from, but... um, there are so many other difficult things that we talk about with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that driving is something that we can support them through. And as far as with families, um, same thing. We have a lot of families who call us cause they're like, I don't want to be the one to tell them that they shouldn't drive anymore. Well, sometimes we aren't telling them that unfortunately, like we're, mm-hmm. you know, they might be okay to drive just with restrictions. Um, So, you know, I think that Terry is really good at how you say, how she says things um, and how she words things to clients and their families. And I think that's really what it's all about when you're talking to anybody, a family member or a client about driving. Yeah, it's a really, really good point. Yeah. How about you, Terry? Well, I will say that Naomi took mine. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, you have have a difficult spot. You have a second and... She, she, she took that. Oh, no, I, I love what you said. And um, I agree. And I, I think it's been really fun and rewarding to have Naomi as a capstone student. And, and we have level one students. We've had a couple of capstone students in the past. And I think it's really fun for us. And this is probably across the board as kind of clinical instructors to have our profession reflected back at us. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of through having students that we're like, oh, wow, there really, a lot goes into what we do, actually. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is a really complex area of practice. And that's why I love it. And the therapists that work with me, we are here doing it because it's different every day, because it's hard, because we're having these really heart to heart conversations with people. Yeah. And, um, hopefully, you know, just improving, improving their lives. So I just shout out for the profession, basically. No, totally. And a big shout out to all you guys out there doing this. This is like a really valuable, very much needed area. I think a lot of OTs should be getting more into it. So I think a lot of it is just lack of awareness, right? And like the yeah, if you don't know about something and how cool it is, how are you not going to do it? Like, that's how I didn't know about OT in the first place when I was choosing career. So that's really cool. So thank, I want to thank you both for being on the show. It's a really, really good like information. And Naomi, sounds like you had a really op- awesome opportunity. And I wish you the best of luck in you as well, Terry, in your practice. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Thanks for having us.